and welcome back to Ryan Rescue. I have been thinking about doing this video blog for some time and wanted to find the right time, wanted to get my head wrapped around it a little bit to make sure that I wasn't just communicating something that's been, um, I guess what could be looked at as maybe like a vendetta a little bit for me. Um, I wanted it to really be objective and any subjectivity that I include in it, I really wanted it to be constructive. So with that being said, it's been brought to my attention some time ago about a situation that happened in the UK where a lifeguard saved a young child and um, pulled them out of the water. Uh, the child looked as though they were, had been drowning and started CPR uh, and resuscitated the patient to the point that the, the child actually began to take gasping breaths. Now, in the medical field, we call those agonal respirations. If they're not breathing like you or I do normally, and they're taking more like a, I describe it to my students, like a fish out of water uh, that's been out of water for some time, and you kind of see that, that, that kind of that um, gasping, um, trying to pull air in look, we call that agonal, agonal breathing or agonal respirations. In most cases, that's caused from the reflexive autonomic nervous system driving the body to try to take a breath. We obviously don't have to think about breathing. We go to sleep, we go into a semi-unconscious state when we're sleeping, um, <clears throat> and we breathe just fine normally. So it's one of those things where if we can get oxygen circulating to the brainstem, to the medulla oblongata, the very basic parts of the motor neurosensory area of the brain, all the autonomic stuff kicks in pretty well. I just looked at a study and I'm including it on this video blog for you to read and I found it quite interesting about how the survival rates, uh, there's a predictor and that is that if you can get agonal respirations with CPR or agonal respirations are happening just before you begin CPR, statistically in the study, the people that had agonal respirations with CPR had a better survival rate and actually were discharged from the hospital more often. And that makes sense because what we're seeing here is good circulation of oxygen. And at least to the minimum level that it's feeding brain parts that are able to drive the body to start doing things it normally does when it's alive. Um, now the unfortunate part about this with the UK story is that um, the protocol that they were using, not too much unlike ours, is that if a person begins breathing or showing signs of life, we stop doing CPR. Now my argument, which could be interpreted as a vendetta a little bit, was when the latest standards and guidelines took away pulse checks for lay people. <clears throat> now, the reason that they did that has some integral reasons. Partly because studies were showing that even trained personnel were trying to find a carotid pulse, the pulse that's in the neck between the, the windpipe and the outside of the neck, that valley there, that's where you find the carotid artery. They were finding it in people who didn't have a real pulse and they were not finding it in people that had a pulse. And so as to simplify this step, 
they changed, they being the International Liaison Committee on Resuscitation and the Emergency Cardiac Care Subcommittee, um, the consensus changed the protocol for laypersons to no longer check for pulses, but to just check for signs of life. Breathing, moving, talking, um, and, and things like that. Now, I, you know, because there are people who will get it wrong if they go to check a pulse, um, I'm not trying to insinuate that this was the case in the UK. However, I don't necessarily believe that it's the fault of pulse checks and that it should have necessarily been eliminated. I think that the reason it was eliminated is because people who do CPR don't get enough practice on a regular basis to become proficient in checking for carotid pulses and feeling them well. In the emergency medical services and in areas in the hospital, like emergency room, ICU, places where you have very unstable patients, um, we tend to check pulses often. And so you develop a real tactile sense for thready pulses, real thin and thready pulses, or slow pulses. You know, early on we were trained to be careful, and not trained in school, but trained on the street, that when you have a person with a low blood pressure or even a low uh, heart rate, be careful when taking a blood pressure because it, the beat is so slow, you might skip it with the gauge, or if they've got an irregular heartbeat, the gauge might skip and you'll get a false reading. I kind of think it's the same thing when checking for pulses. The person might be breathing um, and not have a pulse. If they don't have a pulse on either side, they're unconscious, but they seem like they're still breathing, obviously their blood pressure is too low the way they are, and so we're going to start CPR. And that's what the new standard is. If you don't feel pulses, they're unconscious. Even if they look like they're taking these gasping breaths, we're going to start CPR because obviously it's not circulating well enough on its own. And you won't be wrong for doing that. In fact, studies are showing that when CPR was administered to people and they didn't need it, it didn't cause harm very often. And, and the harm risk was less risky than not giving cardiac compressions when a person needed it. And in most cases, they did need it. So the benefit far outweighs the negatives in this case. What I'm afraid of, and this is the little dicier area, is that sometimes when we do these consensus guidelines and we follow these <clears throat> simplified measures for rescue, we can sometimes throw the baby out with the bathwater. And in this case where uh, pulse checks were becoming a little less um, effective, maybe we should have spent more time on training pulse checks. Maybe we should have had people practice more often in between recertifications so that we may not have had to throw out the pulse checks. Um, it's something to think about. It's a sad story about this gal who lost her life because CPR was stopped simply because she was starting to take those agonal respirations, those agonal breaths. The lifeguard, per the protocol, thought that that meant she was supposed to stop CPR. And quite literally, they stopped CPR for the remaining time until the emergency medical services arrived, which was too late. The child had irreversible damage and died. Um, so it's something, to, again, to think about. And for me to encourage you, 
if the person is not looking normal, if they're taking those agonal gasping breaths, but they're unconscious, not moving, not responsive, um, if you're a professional level rescuer and you check for a pulse on one side for less than five seconds and you check on the other side for less than five seconds and there's no pulse, start CPR. If you're a lay person and you're not used to checking for pulses or you're not trained to check a pulse, unconscious, not breathing, no movement, start CPR. And in this case, even agonal respirations or gasping, if the person is unconscious and their color is poor, continue CPR. That's what's going to give the patient the best outcome. Go forth and rescue. We'll see you next time.